that we've read, verses 59 through 63. The plan, guys, is to finish this series off this morning. Uh, This is the part nine, if I've uh, added it up correctly, part nine to the John 6 sermon series. And um, I'll tell you this, it has been eye-opening in studying and preaching through this Sunday morning series. Uh, It has been difficult. I won't say that it has not been. Uh, And there's the reason when you begin to peel back the layers of what Jesus Christ is saying and what he has done, the backside of these, uh, the healings, the backside of all that has happened in the the words, just like we, uh, in part eight, which was two weeks ago, uh, if you will, and and maybe three weeks ago it may have been. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult message to preach, uh, especially in the culture that we live in today. And the Lord begins to finalize uh, this sermon here. John 6 is a remarkable chapter, guys. There's a, there's a load of information that is there, and, uh, but it is eye-opening, it is convicting, and it should be. Amen? John chapter 6, verse 59, the Bible tells us that these things, now again, obviously that's speaking of what he had just finished preaching on. Uh, he was talking about taking in his flesh and drinking his blood and dwelling in him and I in, and, and I in him and him and I. And he says, these things said he in the synagogue. As he taught in Capernaum, many therefore of his disciples, those are those who have followed him, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. Look down, if you will, in verse 66 with me. It says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I want to bring this final installment titled today, The Many. The Many, as we finish John chapter 6, Sunday morning sermon series. Father in heaven, we thank you for who and what you are, for all that you have done, dear God. Lord, I come before you and I ask forgiveness of my sins in every aspect that I have failed you. And I pray now for those, Lord, I I thank you for who we have in the audience today, those who are in the congregation that are here. And I ask that you set heads protection around each and every one of us as we depart later uh, to make our way to our homes. I pray for those who could not have made it today, Lord, I ask that you would help them. I hope and pray they join online, maybe are joined online, to, uh, but Father, either catch the sermon later on. I pray, dear God, for those who could have made it today. Uh, Lord, I pray that you speak to their heart, Father. Let them evaluate their priorities in their life. We say these things, dear God, this morning, honestly asking you to move in a mighty way amongst all of us this morning. And Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor for everything said, everything done, and I do pray that you keep us safe watch over us all. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask all of these things. Amen. And amen. Beloved, the Lord asks a relative question. And the question is really, it's a, it's a question of reality. And, and, I, and I, uh, when you read this, and you, again, coming on the backside of what uh, the Lord had said in the previous verses, and as he was uh, speaking about his death, his burial, his resurrection, as he proclaimed, I am the bread of life, that, uh, that only through him is going to be salvation, but you must take in this blood, this flesh, all of these things, that even though common sense and understanding the inspiration of the Word of God would teach you exactly what he was saying, he still comes back to his disciples when he knew in his heart that they were murmuring, and he says to him, doth this offend you? 
So my question to us today as we put this into our life, we need to read this. Guys, we need to read the Scriptures as a manner of what does this mean to me? How can I apply this to my life right now? Understanding historically it occurred, historically it was written, historically it was inspired, doctrinally, doctrinally it has its applications, practically and spiritually it applies in all of our life, we understand. But now what we need to do with every passage of Scripture is we need to put ourselves at the forefront and say, what and how does this apply to me? And we ask this very same question, doth it offend us? Does the words of the Lord Jesus Christ offend us? You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, there's a caveat here. What is the, what is the deciding factor of nothing offending you if you love the law of God? Now, many times when you read, in the, especially in the Psalms, when you read the law of God, it's not talking about the Levitical law necessarily. It's talking about the Word of God. This law is the Word of God. It's the law of the Lord, if you will. So do you love the Word of God? That's the primary question. And if you do love the Word of God, you shouldn't get offended as to what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. The reality of, of redemption, guys, the reality of redemption comes with an offense. Galatians in chapter 5, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, By inspiration, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do, do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. So Paul is saying to these Galatians who have been swayed or attempted to be swayed from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that if he preaches anything man can do, anything tied to a personal work, anything tied to what you can do, the offense of the cross is removed that it has ceased and there is an offense guys you know why there's an offense of the cross because jesus christ had to die jesus christ had to die a horrible death in order to redeem mankind it is that simple this morning so i believe i believe as we go into this sermon titled the many and we're referring to the many who walk no longer with him the many who uh, walk no longer with the lord jesus christ just because of what was said unto them we need to turn and ask ourselves the very same question. Does his words offend us? Do they offend me? Do they offend my way of life, my words, my walk? Does it offend the way I think? We need to ask ourselves these things, beloved. I think we need to put it into perspective, not only when we look at the historical application of many of his disciples on this day, walk no longer, but I think we need to think about the many who have walked outside, walked out the front or the back doors of a church and never return ever again. The many in our life and our world today who, who just, man, they got offended at what the preacher said. They got offended at the Word of God. They got offended because they wasn't listened to. They got offended because they wasn't catered to. They got offended because their life didn't fit in with God's Word, amen? And they walked out the door never to return once again. Does it offend you? That's what we need to ask ourselves. So here's what we find. We find point number one. In Christ's words, we find some hard preaching. Now I had to put this in as point number one. I put this in point number one to honor my pastor who led me to the Lord. I, I, I have written it in my Bible here that I've used since I got for my 40th birthday from my darling wife. But in my very first Bible as a Christian, my very first Bible is a Regent's Bible who's later, out, later on, I think, bought out by either uh, Thomas Nelson or, or Zondervan, one of the two. 
uh, Pastor Ellis was preaching through this, and he said, that's some, and this is exactly how he said it, that's some hard preaching, that's what he said. And I wrote down in the margin of my Bible, hard preaching. So I could not get past what we find here in verses 60, 61, that what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying, and why they were offended, and why they were upset, because it was hard preaching, number one. Verse 60 says, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And when Jesus knew it himself, that his disciples murmured at him, he said unto them, doth this offend you? Sure, it's hard preaching, my friend. Their reality was about to change. The Lord Jesus Christ exposed what needed to happen for eternal life to become a reality to mankind. And people struggled with accepting it. You know, C.H. Spurgeon said that if you always enjoy sermons, the minister is not a good steward. He is, he is not acting wisely who deals out nothing but sweets. Here's why they were offended. Here's why it was a hard saying. Look at the next two verses, verse 62 and 63. Watch what the Lord says. He says, What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the, f- the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ just told them, it is through my words that you'll find eternal life. It's through my words that will bring you back to life. My words are spirit. My words are power. What I'm saying unto you is what you're going to have to believe in order to be saved here later on. I mean, the Lord says, I mean, guys, you know what he's saying here? Let, let's, just, let's just back up just a little bit. Let's, let's take a, just a step back. He's saying, you think what I just said a moment ago was hard? <laughs> you think that was difficult? Wait until I get to, wait, wait until I return to the Father. Just, I know you like the miracles. I know you like the healings. I know you like the feedings. I know you like all the things that come from the Messiah, and they don't want to accept that part. But he says, if you think what I just said was hard, what's going to happen when I, you see me ascend in the, in the, back into the Father? You think this is hard? Oh, it's going to get harder, he said. And, and he says it later on. John 14 records the verses 1 through 6, saying, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He called it out. In my Father's house um, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now you, you mean to tell me, you think what I just said over here in Capernaum, about that flesh and blood, you think that was difficult? I'm getting ready to call it out on the table now, Jesus is saying, that you're only going to get to the Father in heaven through me. This is hard preaching to these people. Guys, we take for granted, we have a completed book. We have a completed Bible. We know the rest of it. We're in John 6 right now as he's preaching in the synagogue, and they're, they're having a, a hissy fit going, man, this is hard. My goodness, I can't take it. We know the end of the story. They didn't know it at the time. So we take it for granted, guys, that it was hard for them to accept it in this day. You know what their focus was? Their focus was on the immediate. Their focus was on the healings. Their focus was on uh, uh, the cleansings. It was on the spiritual release. It was on the feedings. It was on all the miracles, okay? 
But their focus was also on a kingdom, and they wanted the kingdom now. And they wanted deliverance from Rome now. Their focus wasn't on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What happens? It's hard preaching, isn't it? Paul writes concerning the very thing that Jesus ended up doing and mentioning in John 6 and John 14. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, he, again, the Lord is saying, you think what I said a moment ago was, was hard? Like what he said over here uh, about his blood, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. And yet we find later on that Paul says he's made us sit in heavenly places right now. So part of this hard preaching was believing the impossible. It was impossible for them to reconcile literally taking flesh and blood. They knew the law. They knew the Levitical law forbade someone to drink blood, any kind of blood for that matter, because it's satanic and it's pagan. And by the way, it's still satanic and pagan. Amen? It's still satanic and it's still pagan. That's what pagans do, and that's what Satan worshipers do. Christians should not be doing it. Period. They knew that was, that was something that was impossible. The Lord wasn't telling them to literally take his flesh. We know that we covered that in the weeks past. But it was still hard for them to accept the impossible. So now he tells them, what's going to happen when you see me return to the Father? And Paul comes in after the fact, obviously, and he tells us and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the hard preaching that Jesus was performing this day, same hard preaching that Paul would perform later on, is for you to believe in the impossible. So let me ask you a question this morning as we address this to ourselves, because it's hard preaching. Do you believe what Paul said? Is this still on the screen? Do you believe that verse right there? Read it. Read it as it's written. Read it as it is inspired and preserved perfectly and purely in the King James Bible. There ain't no Greek that's needed for that right there, period. Read it. Do you believe that this morning? Now, careful before you start justifying your answer. Do you believe today, right now, as you're sitting on, I hope, a warm pew, Everything else is cold, I understand, but at least the pew's warm. As you're sat here in Aberaman, zero degrees today, freezing, seven here in the church, do you believe this morning you're sitting in heavenly places with Jesus Christ? You know what some will say? Some will say, well, what he means, and don't you love that when, when the, the preacher or the teacher gets it? Let me tell you what he really means. Well, he means what he says, first off. They'll say, well, let, let me say this. What this means is that we will be in heavenly places. That's not what it says, my friend. Part of the hard preaching, or at least people that are interpreting the preaching being hard, is believing the impossible. That's your key this morning. That's not what it says. Jesus Christ, on the day that, this, that John 6 was recorded, guys, it wasn't what he meant that day. It was what he said that offended the people. And the reason being it offended them because of their unbelief, not because of his words. My friend, can I say this to you this morning? Unbelief is an absolute killer. 
Unbelief is a killer to relationships. Unbelief is a killer to businesses. Unbelief is a killer to homes. It's a killer to families. Unbelief is the killer of growth and development. But guys, it is the eternal killer of souls when it comes to believing on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Unbelief. It doesn't matter if you, can wrap, you can't wrap your head around heaven. It doesn't matter if you can't wrap your head around hell or creation or anything else. What matters is that you place your unfeigned faith in the greatest act of love, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The rest will come. Just believe what it says. And God will give you what it means later on if he wants to. That's the key. It offended them because of their unbelief, not because of what he said or what he meant for that matter either. We see Jesus' next statement in verse 63, which again is going to be linked to another Paulinian verse. But in verse 63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Paul says this, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved. It's remarkable, isn't it? Isn't it remarkable that we can sit here freezing right now? Isn't it remarkable that you and I can sit here completely uncomfortable? And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I believe we need to get a little uncomfortable in life. I think comfort is a killer to people. I think the comfort zone that we placed ourselves in has killed us as Christians, as men, as women, as leaders in the community. We've gotten so comfortable with everything that we refuse to be uncomfortable. Amen. I know I was going to come to a church when it's seven degrees inside. Why? Because they're too weak to be uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about the people, our people. I'm talking about in general. I guarantee you, I think our people, especially those who have been here for the duration, I don't think you're weak. You've got to be a little bit of a hardness to you. Amen. Put up with me. But it's remarkable, the Lord's glorious plan for salvation for his creation, to redeem us and then bring us back to life, to sit in heavenly places with him. That, that's the key. It's only hard preaching when you don't believe. You believe we're sitting in heavenly places today with Jesus Christ right here, right now, even though we're, sat, we're, we're stood here in, in Abrahamic? Absolutely. Why? Because the Bible says so. Do you believe today that, that, uh, that we were dead in trespasses and sin, and he hath quickened us, which means bring us back to life? He brought us back to life together in Christ, who we are with today eternally? You said, preacher, how can we be in two places at one time? How could the Son, uh, God the Son, God the Father, and God the uh, Holy Spirit be in multiple places at one time? How, I, don't, I don't know. Amen. I don't have to know. I just have to what? Believe. That's why it was hard. You understand me this morning? It was hard preaching unto them. They said, who can, under, who can bear this? Because they didn't believe. Hard preaching, guys. Why was it hard preaching? I'm going to tell you this, point number two, because they were hard people. They were hard people. We're going to start to get into the rubber, where the rubber meets the road this morning. We're going to start to taper this sermon down and close it out here shortly. Not too shortly. But they were hard people. Look at verse 64. But there were some of you, notice this, that believed not. And he says there are some of you that believe not. He's talking to a congregation of people. Can you imagine a, a little limp-wristed preacher in today's world to get up and tell his congregation, there's some of you out here who don't even believe. There are some of you out here in the congregation, you don't even believe the Word of God. You just come here for a tick box. Well, it's a good test, isn't it? That's a good test. These people were hard, man. 
I'm not talking about tough heart. I'm not hard-hearted. Verse 64, Jesus says, But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that, number one, believe not, and who should betray him. He called them out. And rightly so. He knew who it was uh, uh, who would be found in the number, uh, uh, who would be found numbered in verse 66, okay? Many of his disciples uh, from that day forward went back, walked not with him anymore. And guys, it's no mistake. It's no mistake that uh, that, that verse of, of rebellion, of departure is verse 666. It's, it's no mistake there. We'll see that at the very close today as we get into the verse that kicked off this entire sermon. But I want you to say, you can say what you want to about inspiration. But the Lord knows what he's doing. These people were hard. Look at the screen in uh, in Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leaneth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness, an impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness judgment of God. But the Lord ain't playing around. He knows all. He knows the ones in the crowd who, through the hardness of their own heart, through the hardness of their own disbelief, would depart from him and never walked again. He still fed them, still healed them, still loved on them, still preached to them, still gave them the word, but he knew they were going to leave. Hard people reject the Lord. Hard people reject the Holy Spirit. And let me say this to you for the Calvinists out there in the crowd or in the outside. Yes, you can reject the Holy Spirit of God. It is possible. Only a fool thinks that you can't. Verse 65 tells us here, And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Do you honestly think that the Lord would have sandwiched uh, this statement in the middle of, there are some of you who believe not, and from that time forward, or that time, many of the disciples went back. Do you think he would have sandwiched verse 65 in between those two verses? If a soul could not deny and refuse the Holy Spirit? Calvinists can say what they want to say, guys, and they can believe what they want to believe, but the cold, hard fact this morning is that cold, hard souls and cold, hard hearts sear their conscience. 1 Timothy chapter 4 tells us this. 1 Timothy in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, watch this, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I know people say the Bible is difficult to understand, which is funny because you only need a seventh grade reading level uh, in order to understand, the grammati- understand grammatically the King James Bible. Only a seventh grade reading level. But 1 Timothy is the only place where the word seared ever appears in the Bible. And it's referring to the hardening of one heart. Hardening of one's heart. The searing of the conscience so the Holy Spirit of God cannot convict. Remember what the Lord said in verse 65, Therefore I said I unto you, no man can come to me except it were given unto him by my Father. All right? In verse 63, he says, uh, he goes, I, uh, he says, The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But then he says, There's some of you that don't believe. Why didn't they believe? Because they seared the conscience. 
It's the only place it shows up in the Bible, 1 Timothy 4. And it's referring to the searing of the conscience so the Holy Spirit cannot convict or draw. But guys, if you want to know who Paul was speaking to and who Paul was speaking about, very next verse, verse 3, here's some earmarks for you. Forbidding to marry and commanded to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. There's two little earmarks right there who have seared their conscience and and refuse to take in the Holy Spirit. You lock it down. Those that forbid to marry, those that command, command from the abstaining of meats, they've seared their conscience, they've denied access of the Holy Spirit, they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and this is why they are hard-hearted people today. And it's why the Lord knew who they were. It's why they believe not. It wasn't that they... They were chosen from the foundation world to not believe. That's not acceptable to God. It wasn't, it wasn't even the fact that they were incapable of believing. It was because they made the choice to sear their conscience, to sear their heart. And therefore they believed not. And because they believed not, they were hard people and could not endure hard preaching. So the Lord takes it a step further. Here's a hard proposal. A hard proposal. Look in verse 67. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will you also go away? The Lord lays it on the line, guys. He puts all the cards on the table. Old Peter steps up with the right and beautiful answer. Look at what he says in verse 68, 69. Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? He says, Thou hast the words of eternal life. Not just, not just the words of, of a miracle, the words to heal, the words to feed, the, word, the words to cause the blind to see, but thou hast the words of eternal life, he says. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Man, how beautiful. I know we give Peter a hard time. Peter had many faults, as do we. He answered many times too quickly, as do we. But he was on the money here. Thou art that Christ. There's only one. Thou hast the, the words of, of eternal life. He says, Thou art the Son of the living God. And I love his answer. To whom shall we go? I, I, I love it. You know, he, he actually took a, he took a page out of the Lord. He, he, I think he learned this right here. From the Lord Jesus Christ. Many a times, Jesus Christ would answer a question with another question. Peter says, to whom shall we go? Friends, it doesn't get any better than this. It solidifies the words of Christ that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Peter says, there we are. You've got the eternal life. But we aren't quite finished yet with the many. And now the many have departed. Verse 66, we see that many of his disciples, uh, they went back, they left, they, they walked not with him anymore. They were done and dusted. The Lord knew it, knew they weren't going to believe not, but he also knew there was somebody going to betray him, he said. We have our answer of salvation. We have our answer of the lost. And, and guys, we have our answer to the lost. And, and, and we understand they did not, it's not that they did not receive an opportunity. You know, the lost guys, uh, um, they have an opportunity. 
but they hardened their heart so that they rejected the opportunity. All who believe, guys, all did not believe that was in that crowd that day. And the Lord knew who was going to betray him. So the, all, all the ones who didn't believe and all the ones who are going to betray him, they haven't quite departed, at least not one. He was there, still there in the mix. When the Lord Jesus Christ said that hard proposal, when he says, will you leave also? Will you depart also? I think Peter jumped up a real quick answer. Hey, to whom shall we go? Thou art that Christ. And everybody else sitting in that crowd of the 12 are like, I'm glad he answered that, man. Maybe he answered for us all, but the Lord knew. So lastly this morning, he gives a hard proclamation. Remember, we've had the hard preaching to a hard people. And the Lord makes it personal to his inner circle there to a hard proposal. But now lastly, we find a hard proclamation. Verse 70 tells us, Jesus answered them, he said to all, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Verse 71, he tells us who that devil is. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Remember he said up there that he knew who believed not and would betray him. The Lord knew who it was. So there you have it. Judas is a devil. Mark it down in your Bibles. Now there's many out there who love to say uh, that he has a devil or he was demonically possessed. Uh, here's, here's something that I, I found quite shocking. Even the modern perverted versions, and that's what they are, they all are, they're all perverted, outside the, the English-speaking King James Bible, the rest of them are perverts. So anyway, outs, even the modern perverted versions, other than the New English translation, they even say is a devil. I was shocked at that. I don't spend any time in the perversions unless I'm just, you know, working against them or doing a lesson uh, to, you know, to, to teach people in contrast. But yesterday I decided to, to do some digging and look through about 12 of them. I even looked into Spanish, well, the Latin Vulgate, not a Spanish one. Even the 1960, which is since 1960, Reina Valera, which is essentially a Spanish NIV. It's a perverted Spanish Bible. It even says is a devil. I was shocked at that. Very shocked at that. But why do you suppose this is such a hard truth for people to swallow? Why do, you, why do you think people, I, I had a guy in my church in Tennessee one time who argued, I was in a conference meeting, I was in a conference in Nevada, and he texted me, said, Pastor, I'm having a problem with what you preached on Sunday about Judas being a devil, and I mean, my battery died, I recharged it, and it died again. We were on the phone for so long, texting and, and, and talking to one another, trying to convince him of this truth. I don't understand why people just can't accept the fact, but I will tell you this. It gets deeper, but it's going to take two things from you this morning. It's going to take two things from you this morning to believe that Judas is a devil, all right, and a little bit further. It's going to take, number one, it's going to take faith. You've got to believe what the Word of God says. Secondly, it's going to take common sense. And one thing I learned years ago, about 30 years ago, common sense is not so common anymore, Amen. But for you guys, you guys are beautiful. You're wonderful. You'll, you'll have common sense, I hope, and pray. So we see the Bible says, is a devil. In John 6, 70, is the only place in the, in the Bible, a devil is translated from the Greek word di diabolus. 
Diabolus is where you get the word devil. Typically, you find this word from uh, demonion or daemon, which we get the same. It's the same English uh, derivative that we get the word demon. Typically, that's what you find. But right here in John 6, 70, it comes from the same word that's translated capital D, devil, or speaking about the devil, okay? It's also translated into slanderers. 1 Timothy 3.11, false accusers in 2 Timothy 3.3 and Titus 2.3. And it's done that because, because specifically it's a name for Satan, the opposer, the rebellious one, the, the false accuser, the devil. But not here. So it leaves us to stop and think, hang on a second. The same word that is used, and we know that Judas is a devil. Okay, we know that because the Bible tells us. Not that he has a devil, not that this and that. He's a devil, okay? And here's where you're going to struggle. What if I was to tell you, according to the Word of God, that there's another devil? Not a demon. Not another Satan. There's only one. All right, so don't, don't, don't think I'm preaching heresy. But just another devil. Whose name is Judas Iscariot. Who will return one day as the Antichrist. Who is a king right now. Would you believe it? Well, maybe if I don't tell you, but if I show you the scriptures that support it, would you believe that? Coming back to, is it hard preaching? Yeah, but don't be a hard people. So let's allow scriptures to answer scriptures this morning. So the first thing I want you to see is I want you to see John 17, 12. We're almost done, guys. This is, to be honest with you, this is the very verse that spawned this entire series. John 17, 12 from the screen says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be filled. The son of perdition, that means there's only one. One. Who is it? Well, we know who it's going to be. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 from the screen. Write these down if you want. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So in John 17, 12, Jesus Christ is speaking specifically about Judas Iscariot. Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is speaking specifically in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 about the Antichrist. Okay, so we know the son of perdition and the Antichrist are the same person who is Judas Iscariot, who we've already seen in John 6, 70 is a devil, not a demon, but a devil. Okay, so how do we know all this, and where does this tie in, and where is he today? Acts chapter 1, verse 25, says that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, watch this, that he might go to his own place. Now, I've underlined that. That's not part of the Bible. I added that so that you would see it. Okay, where's Judas's place? What is his job? So Judas is the son of perdition who will be the Antichrist, who today is in his own place. So I ask you, where is that? Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Now for many guys, especially in movies and books, they've likened that to Satan himself. So there you have it. Where's Judas now? He's a king over the bottomless pit. He is a devil whose name is Abaddon in the Hebrew and Apollyon in the Greek. So what happens next? Revelation 17, 8. Revelation 17, 8. The beast that thou sawest was, 
and is not, and, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Who is he? The son of perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So here we have it. We know in Revelation 12, we see the great red dragon. We know that is Satan. Satan will yield his power to the beast who ascends out of the bottomless pit, who is the a devil, who is the, the devil incarnate as a man, who is the antichrist, but a devil in John 6, verse 70. So watch this very carefully. As God inspired John to write the revelation of Jesus Christ, watch what he says. He says, the beast that thou sawest. Is the word sawest present, future, or past tense? You said it? Past tense. Yeah? So what we have here, then, when thou sawest, he was a man living on earth. Right? And he says, and he was not. And was not. Yeah? Yeah? This man was not living at the time John wrote the book of Revelation. Remember, Judas by transgression fell. They might go to his own place. Matthew 27, 3 says, Then Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Verse 5 says, And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed, and went and hanged himself. Dead. All right? Died on the day Jesus was crucified, more than likely. Yep. Dead, when John didn't write, hey listen, John doesn't write the, uh, or pen the book of Revelation uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ until the latter part of the first century. Nearly 60 years had probably passed since Judas was alive. So he was, and John saw him because he communed with him, yeah? When he's writing, he says, and was not, okay? He was dead. So he was Judas living on the earth, and John saw him. He was not that he died and departed from the living on the earth. And then the Bible tells us his future presence, that he shall descend out of the bottomless pit. This man coming back, he will have a second coming, just like Jesus Christ will have a second coming. When this man comes back, he's going to ascend out of the bottomless pit and goes into perdition uh, to his own place. He was more than a part of the many guys. He was in the inner circle, if you will. He's more than just being part of no one. He's in the inner circle. Briefly, he is on earth. He is Judas Christ. Now he's in the bottomless pit, Revelation eleven seventeen. He is the angel of the bottomless pit. He is the king of the bottomless pit. He is a devil. He is not a human being. He has a Hebrew and a Greek name, Revelation 9, 11. He is from Kerioth, east of Jordan in Syria. He's a descendant of Ham and a mixture between Syrian and Jewish bloodlines. He is the Antichrist in the tribulation. He is the devil incarnate on this earth. And beloved, this is hard preaching. Things are getting close to being wrapped up. And the choice today, guys, this is only going to be hard to you if you struggle with believing it. Now, this is not my opinion. This is not something that's flaky. This is not something that, oh, this sounds neat. Let me show you something new. None of this is new. All of this I, I, I taught and was learned 30-some-odd years ago from, from Pastor Ellis, and have dug deeper and begin to look deeper here and there. But guys, these day, the days that we live in today, they are drawing to a close. Hard people will not endure, will not learn. They will not grow from hard preaching, a hard proposal, or a hard proclamation. Hard people will depart and walk no longer 
in the ways of Christ. So, beloved, the question today, the question is we sum that we're done and dust with John 6. I know it went a little longer this morning. But we're, the, the question about John 6 is where are you going to fall? The preaching is only hard if you don't believe it. You only become hard if you choose so. Your heart only becomes seared if you do it yourself. But the hard proposal and the hard proclamation, beloved, is rooted and grounded in who and what you're going to believe today. Are you going to believe the scriptures or are you going to believe your feelings? Are you going to believe the scriptures or are you going to believe what you may have been taught in the mainstream world? That's the question. Yeah, it's hard to believe. It's hard to understand. It's, it's not hard to understand. It's hard to believe. But beloved, if you'll just put your faith, your trust, your dependence in what that Bible teaches, what that Bible says, you'll never go wrong a day in your life. Don't be part of the many. Be part of the few. Stick to the Lord Jesus Christ and walk beside him. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us and all that you've done. We thank you for the many blessings you allowed us to have. We pray now for your continual guidance. We pray for your continual direction. Lord, I thank you for the last uh, nine sermons on this series in John 6. I ask that we can apply it into our heart. And Lord, as we go forward, I pray that anyone who may be struggling with whether or not the preaching is hard or, or unbelievable would do the thing they need to do, and that is to dig into the Word of God to see if these things be so. Lord, I love you, and I thank you. I lift up thy precious name today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope and pray that the preaching, teaching, the Word of God was a blessing Thank you so much for heart. joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification, to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today by some tragedy this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment with, for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what would, what would stop you right here, right now, for bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins. 
and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. I hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.